I decided I needed to get out of the big city for a while to search for cinema spoilers in the wild. So I hopped in my old Camino and I took off for the open road. It wasn't long before I took a left turn into the surreal. A fly landed on my arm and I got the shivers. The sounds of a typewriter filled my ears. And I was so tired I felt like I was in a dead zone. That's when my eyes caught the sight of a sign that said, Welcome to Cronenberg. Behind that sign was a place that was a dead ringer for home. As I pulled in the parking lot, I realized no matter where I go, I can always find the spoiler room. And welcome, my friends. Yes, we've traveled once again to Cronenberg, and we brought along this time Stephen King with us to talk about an interesting film directed uh, by uh, Mr. David Cronenberg. And tonight it is The Dead Zone from 1983, and I've got a great pair of crew members in here tonight. First off, we have the diva of the spoiler room. She is back with us once again to talk some more Cronenberg. It is none other than Dawn. Hello, Dawn. Hello. Good evening, gentlemen. So glad you could join us. And next to Don, he is back with us in the spoiler room. Yes, that's right. It is the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Mr. Chase Lee. Hello, Chase. How are you, sir? I don't know about all that, but uh, th thank you for the uh, nice little intro there. Yeah, it's uh, this is going to be fun because the thing is with your, your, your spoiler discussions is that nine times out of ten, you always send movies that I've never seen before. <laughs> but I'm a fan of the director. So it's just like, how did I miss this? What is going on with my life? Now I'm going to go cry. So uh, uh, th thank you for allowing me to come on. You're welcome. Uh, definitely going to be interested to get your perspective on this. And uh, Dawn, did you want to give a synopsis of The Dead Zone? <sighs> okay. So The Dead Zone. Little Johnny Smith, well, not so little Johnny Smith, young Johnny Smith is a school teacher, high school literature, who gets into a car accident, uh, ends up in a five-year coma, and wakes up with the power of second sight, which l grows stronger and finally leads him to seeing the potential end of the world and he has a horrible decision to make oh that's well put i like that that, that was oh, come on i read the book you know i read the book i know you read the book I read the book I, like a dozen times i i imagine you did <laughs> but did they have walk in and then once you saw the movie did you hear his voice every time all Every time. <laughs> Every time you read it, it was walking. It was yeah. Frankenstein never scared me. Uh, <laughs> so uh, then, Don, uh, we'll get your initial thought with this. Uh, how did you like the movie? Your your initial feeling, and then we'll dive into the nitty gritty. But how did you like the movie, uh, uh, The Dead Zone, after having read the book many, many times? I enjoyed the movie just fine. Mm -hmm. um, I really think Okay, before I get into anything too deep, I enjoyed the movie. I thought Christopher Walken did a great job, but when mm -hmm. doesn't he do a great job? Um I I thought that the movie moved No, the movie does move way too fast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it it does do that, especially for yeah. Stephen King anything in in, <laughs> in this book mm -hmm. in in the book in the source material the story took place over many many years mm -hmm. not just the not just the five-year coma part because it, it was always from john smith's perspective but even from when he woke up from the coma through the finale of mm -hmm. of everything that happened that was many many years i mean in, in the book, it goes uh, with uh, Sheen's character. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the great Sheen's character, Greg Stilson. It goes, by the end of the book, he wasn't just going to be senator. He was actually up for election for U.S. president ah, by the time okay. John Smith 
makes his final decision. I got you. So he the, he debates a lot more with his final decision, which again, uh, there's a lot more build up to how evil he actually is. Sure. Well, it is a king book, so you know, uh, it is. <laughs> character development goes a long, long way in a good way, but still. But the, um, but no, the the spirit of the book is pretty much dead on. Is it? Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. And Mr. Chase Lee, you said this was, uh, you're a fan of David Cronenberg and this was your first watch? Yeah, you know what's really weird is like Cronenberg, when when he wants to, he can dial it up from one to David Lynch. And so the fact that he was like kind of restrained with this one was kind of shocking. Uh, mm -hmm. So b before I give you my initial thoughts, my favorite line, I, I cracked up and, and uh, you know, don't tell my boss, but I watched this movie at work today. Uh, so I, I was, you know, sitting there at my desk, right? And I was, uh, I, I was watching in, in one ear, and I was, you know, making sure no one was around the corner in the other ear. And my favorite line is when she just deadpan looks at him and goes, "You lost a lot of weight." And he goes, "It's the Colma diet." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no shit, Sherlock. It's like, yeah. it's the funny, it's the funniest like retort ever because he's so serious. He's like, "It's the Colma diet." Uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it's great. Um, uh, I'm kind of with Don on this one. The thing is, uh, it, it's a good movie. Like, I don't think it's bad by any means, but it's also not great. I, it, I would compare it to like you know Stephen King adaptations. Like, if we're talking you know top tier like Shawshank or like The Shining, and then below that, or like the worst would be like I don't know. Uh, so one of them it would definitely <laughs> like be above the middle like but sure. below the the top tier so mm -hmm. um it's still good but darn is absolutely correct there's too much that's packed in to this movie and it, it it moves way too quickly at the you know hour and 43 minute runtime and the problem is there's so much going on that you don't have time to marinate on anything i remember there was one scene where just randomly his mom was in the hospital oops she's gone next scene oh your mom's been dead. When did she get sick? When did she die? I just like, there's no timeline here. So, uh, and then also it feels like two separate movies mm -hmm. because you have the first half with the, you know, the coma, the wake up and the serial killer. And then the second half is all about the political figure. So I'm just like, you, you could have made the whole movie about one thing and then have the backdrop be all the character work because I thought all the, you know, contemplation and the kind of, um, kind of sadness that he was going through, whether it be with uh, his past lover or his father or just his interactions with people, that was more intriguing than him actually using his powers because, you know, being in a coma for five years and waking up is already a great enough premise to begin with. So it's like, it's like there's some great things. There's some whatever things, but she is definitely right. There's way too much going on to justify the, 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 the runtime to be fully invested in everything. Yeah. And I felt that same way too. It, it, it's it, especially for 83, this is a decent film and you know, it, for what it is, but it would have almost served him better to explore more him dealing with trying to track down the serial killer, because I found that part fascinating. Like he, uh, you know, that the, he reluctantly decides to take on this, this, uh, cop asking him to because he doesn't want to be like some sideshow whatever but he decides okay okay fine you know I'll, I'll i'll help the cop out and he goes and helps him out with by touching the hand of a dead woman who he immediately sees who she's talking to and her killer in that but then he lets go because he's sitting there going i didn't do anything i didn't you know because it was like he was right there and he watched her die and he didn't do anything and i'm like that's a really cool thing to explore him fighting with the fact that he feels like he couldn't do anything, even though he couldn't because it's after the fact, but he felt like he was there and he could have, you know, and, and exploring that and getting to the mind of the killer, that would have been fascinating, but we get that in like a half hour, <laughs> and not even. And then we move on to the political stuff, which we are 83. So we're working on the nuclear scare. Uh, if you didn't pick up on that at all, uh, <laughs> Don, uh, 80s, we get the nuclear scare. We get it here. Uh, that's quite prevalent uh, fairly quickly. 
uh, kind of expected with a horror film of the of the time? Absolutely. Um, there and and honestly, there was no good way, and I don't specifically recall if that was the big scare in the book, but it was a very good way to represent how he could be the biggest mass murderer in history mm -hmm. by using that. It was a very, very quick, very easy image to use. Right. And, and Chase, uh, <laughs> how'd you feel? I know you've watched uh, some classic 80s horror as well. Uh, does this kind of hit home to nowadays? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> there, there are certain uh, political figures uh, currently working today that uh, definitely um, <laughs> that he was emulating. It, it, it was kind of interesting because you're watching, you're like, this wasn't 83. This was made last year. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting on that front. And, of course, you know, uh, since I'm a 90s baby and uh, Mark likes to make fun of my age, I don't know anything about the, the, the scare because <laughs> I wasn't alive. Uh, but, uh, I can imagine that it's kind of like, you know, when, um, you know, growing up, uh, like early two thousands, you know, with like nine 11 and stuff, you know, there would be a lot of movies that would be charged, you know, to be that type of scare and stuff. So I can imagine, you know, making a scare for that time is, you know, pretty accurate, but it's just kind of funny when you watch it nowadays, you're like, man, th this thing was made like last year. Stop playing me, man. <laughs> It it was kind of kind of odd, yeah. Watching watching him, watching Stilson, and considering certain characters today, individuals today, you look at it going, it it was hitting a little close to home. Going, wow, okay, this is a little creepy. <laughs> so ba basically, what that means is that as a, as America, we are predictable and nothing has changed. <laughs> so there you go. That, that's that's what I can boil it down to. <laughs> That you, it is predictable, and, and nothing much has changed, and uh, that's why I found this interesting watching this film. And there were only of there were very few parts that it actually felt dated because a lot of the effect, almost all the effects, actually all the effects were practical. Yeah, I was um, actually really impressed by that. You know, with, especially that fire scene when he first grabs the nurse, and you get the fire scene with the little girl chase what'd you think about that where he's in the bed that's on fire and you got a little girl in the corner how would you think that was handled i mean that looked pretty realistic i mean that they were actually there it was it was kind of nerve-wracking i thought yeah it was some really uh i i guess this is the appropriate decade for it, it was some pretty rad green screen work like i was actually <laughs> I was actually like pretty impressed that they were able to make it look like his bed was on fire and him like, you know, staring at the girl and stuff. And so, uh, yeah, I thought what was really great, uh, probably the best part about the entire movie was anytime when he touched someone and like we get to see the future of the past. I was like, it, they put more effort into those scenes than anything else. So uh, not to knock the entire movie, but it's just like, it, it, you know, they wanted to make sure that that psychic ability was really um, – kind of noteworthy on screen and they definitely delivered that with the effects but they also didn't do it too gimmicky either like no a, not at a all. weird filter or something with it you know it, they they kind of just kind of the way it was edited really got the idea across don how about you how do you think they uh, handled the uh the flashbacks you know his future prediction scenes in that uh in this film I thought it was great that they put him right in there as if he's there and that he's feeling everything rather, you know, obviously he couldn't, he couldn't touch and interact with what was going on, but he could still feel all the things he could feel the fire. He could feel the cold. He could, you know, mm -hmm. feel the press of the people and the, uh, the aftershock of the bombs and, um, um, armory armor, Right. It's going off. Um, I like how they did that quite a bit, actually. Yeah, well, it also has to do with uh, Watkins' performance, because if he wasn't, if he didn't make it believable, then we wouldn't believe it. I mean, th the guy was like legitimately freaked out every time he touched someone, whether it be good or bad. So, you know, if, <laughs> if he if he did not like, you know, convince us that he was like seeing the future, then it would be basically just someone touching a hand going, oh, someone's in the fire. You should probably go get them. It's just like, <laughs> 
Well, that's not exciting at all. <laughs> and and amusingly, when you said that, I could hear him doing that in his voice. That calm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Your daughter is she, she's stuck in the house. It's on fire. It's, it's like, mm. who, who are you? <laughs> uh, some things that we mentioned about Stilson being prophetic, and I, and I just have to throw this in here because I couldn't help it running across. Uh, uh, but him talking about, and you guys, I'm sure you'll know which one I'm talking about. Right at the beginning of the film, he talks about Sleepy Hollow. Oh yeah, yep. yeah. I'm watching it, and the minute he talks about Ichabod Crane and Sleepy Hollow, I'm like, did Burton pick him specifically because he talked about Sleepy Hollow? If in- that's how Tim Burton cast people, then I'm gonna be very disappointed. That's about the equivalent of someone just like sitting on a couch, like in their boxers, flipping through channels, and they're just like, "Yeah, that's good. I think I'll take that one." It's like, don't you want to have them screen test first? No, nah, no, no, no need. <laughs> They said that they said they referenced that. It's like what the? No, I well, I don't think he did, but I just I just love. It'd be funny it if, it, if it, it would be funny like, if yeah. that's how Burton's like. Oh, he said this line. I like that. Okay, yeah, we're gonna <laughs> I like discuss- that indeed. <laughs> I like that indeed. <laughs> you know, because he's talking about that, and then you know, Martin Sheen. Don, this isn't the first time we've seen Martin Sheen in a Stephen King film. It is not. Most definitely not. I don't think it's even the last one. No, because uh, you and I talked about Firestarter, which he was uh-huh. in, and I ha- actually had to look just to see if they were doing some quirky thing where he might have been like a similar character, but he's not. No, not but, at all. You know, nowadays though, that's what oh, would God. happen. Exactly. Well, we, because they are nowadays, they'd be more aware of the Dark Tower tie-ins. Right. So you'd have the Stephen King cinematic universe, which they, yes. they kind of been trying to do, but. But, I, I actually, no. speaking of that, I really appreciate it because I just watched or, or yeah, watched the show last year, Castle Rock. I was like, oh, cool. They, they said Castle Rock High School. I was like, because like, <laughs> I, I never really got into the whole like Stephen King, like expanded universe. Uh, and so mm-hmm. when I saw the Castle Rock show, I was like, this is pretty dope. Like, I hope they uh, do more stuff like that. So it was really cool to see a movie, you know, made way long ago go you know castle rock high school and it's like oh they've been trying to do that for a while just trying to incorporate all of them yeah uh because the sheriff also was from castle rock which is, is cool to hear that you know you're like oh yeah there you go there's your stephen king right there uh castle rock because then you also had that uh in uh you know dark half and all that it, they by throwing that in there but they aren't for it, it's just the way stephen king writes so at least they're not forcing it saying Look at us. We're in the same universe. Uh, you don't really have to with King stuff because he did it for you already. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, I so, think that, well, go I ahead. I don't remember who. Mm. I don't remember which actress it is. But since you brought up Firestarter, mm-hmm. George C. Scott's ex-wife is in is in the Dead Zone. Is she really? Yeah, I don't remember which actress it is. Oh God, I'm a terrible person. No, you're not. You're, <laughs> you've watched a, bit, a, a hell of a ah, lot of movies. Here it is. It's uh, Colleen Dewhurst. She oh, okay. played. Um, didn't she? Yeah, she played uh, the deputy sheriff who was yeah. the serial killer. She played his mother. Oh, okay. Wow, <laughs> that's that was an that was an interesting thing when they did that. I I was like, Chase, were you a little disappointed that revealed so quickly when he went to? It felt almost like a CSI episode. It was like when he touched the hand of the dead body. He's like, it's Dodd, and you're just like, oh, okay. Um, and yeah, then, I. I, I I honestly thought that was the movie. I was like, oh right. man, he's gonna touch a hand. He's gonna have to like figure out the clues and like what the face was, and then literally the next shot, the face reveal. I was like, oh, <laughs> okay then. And then I checked the time because I was like, wait, hold hold on. And so I, I looked at the time. And I was like, there's an hour left. What the hell are they gonna do from this point? Like, are they just gonna fiddle around at his house like while he's limping on a cane? And so, you know, they, then they go to the killer's house and they kill him. And it subverted my theory. I was like, hold, hold on. I was just joking. So now that they actually like, killed the guy, 
where the hell are they going to go from this? And then time jump, here we are, you know, just uh, second half of the movie. I'm like, what? why did you reveal everything so quickly? Yeah, they, they like I said, they, they follow the spirit of the book very quick, very closely. Um, the whole first half of the book was setting up the, the psychic ability. And then the whole second half of the book was um, building up to the decision of the decision that John Smith had to make as far as what he was going to do about uh, Stilton's character. It just didn't translate as well. <laughs> because it, it, it felt like you guys said, it feels just like you're jumping from one thing to one thing too quickly. Yeah, um, because I'm very you... curious. I never saw the TV series, but I bet that just worked out so much better. A five-year TV series. Did it go five years? Yeah. Wow. 2002 to 2007. Don, you know what's really funny about that? As I was watching it, I was like, man, this would make a really great TV show. And then my dumb ass goes on IMDb and it's like, oh, it was a TV show. I was like, huh. Okay, then. So I guess uh, I was already on target and uh, I had no idea it even was. So uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go. I didn't realize it ran five years. I knew they had done it, but but that yeah, was I had uh, the first season on DVD sitting on mm -hmm. my shelf over there. I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. Yeah. Well, you, you almost get like three. It's almost like three stories involving Johnny Smith because we've got the serial killer part. And then, yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we time jump and then he's a tutor uh -huh. for this kid who is the kid of someone very rich who has political, uh, you know, who oh knows Stilson. So we get that whole story. And then we get to the still, it's almost like three smaller stories wrapped but together. you know <laughs> it it's also three lessons in what he can and cannot do the first story with the serial killer he didn't get involved in until after it was way too late right and all he could do was avenge the deaths of the women that were dead the second story with the kid he was able to convince the kid not to play hockey so he didn't fall through the ice and die but the father was still too stubborn and you know caused the death of what, two, two kids, kids. Yeah. yeah so he was learning that he could make a difference if he just did something about the visions mm -hmm. and, and then that, the final vision he was able to prevent armageddon yes he was he was he was able to prevent nuclear armageddon uh, by by taking out Martin Sheen. So uh, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about, you know, this is the 80s. I know it's the 80s. But, Don, how did you feel about the relationship he had with uh, Sarah, played by Brooke Adams? The I get the beginning part, and then she moved on and had kids, but she... She does something in here that I was like, well, this shows it's an 80s film because. Really? She, you think so? You, well, you think that was only an 80s thing? Well, no, but I mean, it was very more prominent in film in the, the 80s, you know, that she's buried, but she decides to give him one last fling, um, which then they're they're hanging out, which I was like, are, are they divorced? She's no way. She's not divorced but they're still hanging out like they're in a relationship. My brain was really trying to wrap my head around what they were going for. Cause I thought maybe with the time jumps, she had divorced at some point because after the one night stand, she shows up with her kid to hang out. I'm just, I mean, I don't know. It, it just, it felt, I understand what they're going for. I guess it just felt a little odd with the time jumps of how they did everything um well no she showed up with a the kid then she had the one night stand with him that's yeah that was even the more was asleep. awkward yeah <laughs> and then but then she goes back to hubby like nothing happens and he seems to have moved on as well almost for the most part you, you missed the most important part of that scene because it was already awkward enough that like she cheated on her husband which by the way why uh second of all it was it was weird because after <laughs> They pretty much like banged out in the living room while uh, uh, her kid was sleeping. 
they have the dinner the next scene with the dad as if like they've been dating and like they have a kid <laughs> together. It's like, oh, everything was fine. We just hung out today and all that stuff. And like he even made the reference that they had sex. And it's like, what? The, that's your dad. Like, what? And she's married. Just stop it. Go back into your coma. I just, it's, I was really confused by how everyone was just so hunky dory, <laughs> like everything was just fine. Yeah, because Dad knew what they did. He's no dummy. He, he's like the way they were looking at each other. He's like, uh huh, yeah. He's like, I, I hope you shampooed the rug. Afterwards. Yeah, I was gonna say, I hope you do some house cleaning this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just it was odd, and, and then they went on. And then we had the time jump again. He's tutoring kids. And then we get, of course, dun, dun, dun. Her husband is canvassing and she is can canvassing for Stilson because, of course, right? <laughs> the, the the movie coincidence, Don, that we have here. Uh -huh. uh, is it set up? Is it set up any better in the book or is it just another one of those where, oh, look, convenient plot twist? It's it's better in the book because like mm -hmm. I said, there's a longer time frame. So sure. You yeah. got a little more time. It's not quite so, uh, the coincident, the coincidental aspect is, um, better mm -hmm. handled. <laughs> How'd you feel about the coincidental? Oh, look, Sarah Brackenell and her husband happened to be canvassing and they happened to knock on his door where he's trying to hide out dumb like I, I would like because as soon as the the guy came up i was like i was like oh no please it's like for the love of god keep her in the car it's already bad enough that like she she boinked some other dude with her kid in the, the house like it's already gonna be awkward just yeah. don't do it and she, he's just like honey can you bring a flyer and then she walks out like oh god just just, just why just please and, leave exit and, and the did house you catch, did yeah. you catch she obviously told him about it yeah exactly and like she was like this is my husband, and he's just like, I know who the fuck you are. It's like he, he gave him he gave him the look like I she already told me everything. Like, why are we having this conversation right now? Why couldn't you just bang him, leave, and never see the man again? Yeah. Which, by the way, I actually thought that was gonna happen. Because the mm -hmm. way she set it up was like, you know, we're never gonna have a night like this again. I was like, all right, she's gone. And then she just comes back, and I'm just like, yikes. And that actually brings me to my uh uh the the last time. That they're mm -hmm. together at the very end of the movie. I hate the end of the movie. It's almost like the movie just gave up on itself, and it's like, well, you know, uh, we've been uh, at this long enough. All right, roll the credits. Like, I, <laughs> I could not believe that it just ended that abruptly. Now, I've seen plenty of films where it ends somewhat abrupt, where two people, you know, mm -hmm. they're in love, they have their last words, and then just kind of fades to black, and just calmly with the credits. This was just like, I love you. I always love you. Dead credits. I was like, oh, okay, I I could have gone another five minutes, but hey, uh, I guess uh, I guess I can just stop playing this now. So uh, yeah, I thought that was uh, yeah. Well, so I see every time when she she interacted with him, she was doing something wrong. She either cheated on her husband, she brought him uh, to his house, and she made the the movie end early. So it's just like she she's just <laughs> bad all around. She, she really, yeah. Don, how do you feel about about the Sarah character in general? Would you would you say that she seems to make the the, the bad decisions out of their relationship, or not 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 necessarily? Uh -huh. Um, she's. I can see. I can see where you uh, see that uh, feel that way, Chase. I just again the eighties. Right. <laughs> it it was a different. Surprisingly, they were going for a strong female character, especially compared to other things, but they just, it didn't work out that way. Right. And, and like, I actually like, you know, the very beginning, you know, they're hanging out, they're together. It's like, it's sweet. It's cute. Like, I, I enjoyed that. And it's just like, it, as soon as she did the cheating, I was just like, I, well, I just, I don't care anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, they pull a, they pull a basically, you know, castaway where five years have gone by. She's moved on, married, has kid. Uh, right. And we, we just got something similar like that in cinemas with Avengers Endgame. Like, I, yeah. I get it. It's it's a weird type of like, hey, you've been gone and stuff. But because she could have easily gone to the house. It's like, oh, I missed you. Like, I, I still love you. 
like that would have been more powerful. She's just like, I still have feelings for you, but I got to do, you know, what is right. And then they just, you know, hugged it out and walked away. And it's just like, no, I'm going to bang you on this bear rug with my kid watching. It's like, Plus the door is open to the bedroom. For yeah. The I'm like, sleeping. come on, man. <laughs> so no, I mean like, I, I understand like, you know, uh, that was like his only connection to the past basically. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, there's something kind of poetic about that, but they could have just handled it a little better. That's all. Watching this though, especially the last chunk with uh, Stilson, I I got the spirit and a bit of a vibe. And Don, you can tell me if I'm completely wrong, but did you get just maybe a little bit of a vibe of Taxi Driver, <laughs> or or am I just twisted like that? Well, aside from the fact that you're just twisted like that, yeah, um, I don't. I don't know that I necessarily did. That mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it, it wasn't there. I I mean, I just, the way it was handled and directed the storyline, I understand, yes, you could say that about a lot of things about someone suddenly deciding to assassinate a political figure or whatnot, but, you know, he's got his love, the, the love of his life still works with the political figure, the political figure guy's dick, you know, the, you kind of get into that vibe and it's like, I was kind of getting just a little bit of taxi driver <laughs> with it near the end. Uh, but again, I, I am twisted like that. Chase, what about you? Would you would you say there could be any comparisons to maybe taxi driver in this last act? I mean, I'm kind of with Don. I think you were just smoking some dank kush, and okay. I want to know where you got it. Uh, okay. because no, I don't that's know. Cool. Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> I, I mean, could you explain it to us? Because like I'm a little confused. Like, how how did you see it? How'd you like vision it it just it was just one of those things where like the spirit of with the way it handled with him you know in the crowd and and granted yeah it was a psychic thing but him deciding to to kill this guy his his, is just a number of familiar components between the two and the way it was kind of directed in a way although here you know walk-in is more successful than uh (laughs) our man de niro was but still you know I, i don't know maybe it was just me um and it's it's just the whole assassination of a political figure thing i don't know uh but it just felt well, like you know go ahead yeah walken didn't well walken didn't assassinate didn't actually successfully true assassinate uh stilton in the traditional sense and yet he did and yet he did yes he assassinated his character <laughs> as I as I imagine how the the boardroom meeting went, it's like, all right, it's at the end of the movie. Christopher Walken, he's gonna kill Stilson. They're just like, whoa, 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 that, that that's too dark. We can't be doing that. And they're like, all right, hold on. How about we assassinate his character, like <laughs> his his actual like character? That way he can assassinate himself. They're like, oh my god, that was really deep, and then clap, 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 and then here we go. Movie was made. But uh, no, I actually, I actually kind of like that because I actually thought he was going to follow through with it. I was like, oh man, here it is. He's going to wipe him out, and then the credits are going to roll. And it's going to be like this weird cliffhanger, like uh, coming next week on the, the Dead Zone. Uh, but no, uh, I, I'm actually shocked that uh, it, it went that route, and uh, I kind of liked that little little twist. Well, it was fitting for the character, the Stilson character. And Don, you mentioned the Stilson. You learn even more of just how of a, a scumbag he is. Uh-huh. It is more fitting that he assassinated his character and killed him that way than actually straight out killing him. Because if he does actually straight out kill him, he does kind of become a martyr. But in this way, he doesn't. So would you say that's fitting as well? That uh, the way they is that how they handled it in the book as well? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. With the assassination of his character and 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 him, uh, and what was up with his best, like the best henchman known to man, Stilson's <laughs> second. Like, well, he wasn't man. a Martin Landau, but no. he was pretty. He was he was a definitely, uh, yeah, he was definitely the henchman that enjoyed the violence. Yeah, but then you get that thing at the end where even he's got his limits with Stilson. He's like, you know. No, I don't think he had his limits as far as, as far as, it didn't strike me that he had his limits like he thought Stilton was a, uh, 
poor choice, but mm -hmm. he saw that the ship was sinking, sinking. you know, and he wasn't going to go down with it. Right. He didn't care. He actually enjoyed the fact that Stilton was an evil bastard and allowed him to, you know, do the evil things he wanted to do. Right. But, you know, I was just wondering if he took that stance because Stilton used the kid as a human shield. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you're right. Maybe he just he didn't want to associate with him anymore because he do. Yeah, you're done. Chase, how'd you feel about uh, this henchman of his? Uh, I mean, he was there. Uh, <laughs> he he he, he kind of looked like um, oh man, uh, I can't remember his name, but he's the guy in uh, Ant Man where uh, that works with Louise. Oh the, yeah, yeah, the like the the tall uh, tall white dude with the the black hair. Uh, right. He kind of looked like him, and so uh, so every time when he talked, and I just thought of that guy, and he made me laugh. He <laughs> he gave me a, a bright chuckle. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did. Uh, he gave me. Uh, a rather great chuckle as well. I, I got a kick out of him. No, see, I was seeing more of the Martin Landau from what was it, North by Northwest? Oh yeah, guy. That's that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was questioning the "Are you in love?" Oh, I I am in love. I think. Of course I you are. No. <laughs> <laughs> was well, that's a good question. Was Johnny Smith in love, or was he still I, hanging on? Huh. No, I not Johnny Smith. Oh, not Johnny Smith. Stilton and the henchman. Oh yes, yes. I'm sorry. Yes, that relationship. Yeah, that through. Yeah, there was a little closeness with them there, but um, maybe not as prevalent as it was in in North by Northwest. But no, but, but I mean that's that's where my brain went. I yeah, you know what? I I wonder if the henchman and and Stilton had kind of a bro bromance a little bit closer. Uh, at all, I mean, it is the eighties. You, you, you could have that. Uh, I mean, if they just embraced their love, they wouldn't be as, uh, you know, angry and just pissed off all the time. You know, blackmailing journalists and stuff. Right, exactly. If they just embraced their love, they, it would have been a nice, you know, moving picture about love and friendship. But no, they had to dick it up and totally just uh, uh, be like, "All right, we're gonna blow up the world." <laughs> I'm sorry. They're just everybody's got to have goals. Exactly. I just, there were too many uncanny, like, there's <laughs> just watching the Stilson character. I think I, I was afraid. I was actually a kind of afraid. I'm like, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, folks, watch this. This is still relevant. <laughs> uh, so, David Cronen, some of David Cronenberg's signature things with the mommy daddy issues. Yes. Yeah, those was, were all over the place. I was just going to get to that, but please, by all means, Don, you've been no, with go, us go pretty right much. On ahead. It was in your plan, much. so you go right on ahead. No, we just we have we have been pretty much with this. Uh, you, you've been with us uh, from almost all the Cronenberg episodes, just about. And yeah, there is a there's a mommy and daddy thing. I mean, uh, you had the serial killer and the devoted mom who looks past her son's homicidal ways because that's her boy. Uh, you've got. You got the creepy, very childlike room that he's in. That was weird. Yeah, what was up with that? <laughs> like kid room, he was. That that was weird. He was almost childlike there, and then, well, then he gets the relationship of the becoming the father figure almost to the little kid. Uh huh. And then we have his girlfriend who's now a mom and she's got her kid and yeah, you're right. That's all over the place in here. Yeah, It's, it is like this, this film is lousy with all those twisted uh, Oedipus relationships. <laughs> it is now that you mentioned it. I just, I hadn't thought about that until I, I mean, and if you look even a little closer, uh, Tom scared as the sheriff, as the dad who couldn't see what was going on with his deputy sheriff's son, mm -hmm. he had no clue what was going on with that. Wow, that is there. So that at least is Cronenberg-esque, 
but uh, we do have some lacking things as well. Uh, Chase, you said you're you're a fan of the director. Did you see any other of his signature stuff in here besides, you know, parental relationships? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, because like I said, he he's kind of all over the place when it comes to his cinema. Like he can be tamed or he can go, like I said, full Lynchian and just like be, you know, weird as hell. And so. I couldn't really see it. I mean, just because it was so different than what I've seen from him. And yes, uh, I'm, I'm still working my way down his list. The The furthest one I can go back with is uh, uh, Videodrome. That's the oldest one I've seen, which is yeah. funny because it came out the same year as Dead Zone. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm still working up like the ladder to like see more of his stuff. So I've seen like The Fly and Naked Lunch, which is weird because like that's by far like the weirdest one that he mm-hmm. has and yeah i've seen that one over everything else and then uh the first one i ever saw was the history of violence and i was like oh this was a really cool movie and then when you see like his older <laughs> stuff I'm like this isn't cronenberg this is this is weird and then uh i've seen pretty much everything with Viggo mortensen so yeah i personally could not see a stamp of his in there uh but mm-hmm. that's why i appreciate him because he just can surprise you like that so there you go see and that's that's the difference you're watching them you're watching them in reverse. Mm-hmm. Which, which, as, right. you, as you continue to go back, you're going to see a whole lot more. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why uh, 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 I, I love like uh, that. That's that's kind of like why I love, you know, being born the way I was born is because, you know, I see like newer stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm fascinated. Let's go back. And so uh, it was the same way with Lynch. The first one I ever saw was Mahalan Drive. And mm-hmm. so I eventually went backwards and got to the Twin Peaks era and which I, I say era. And that was the, you know, it came out when I was like two, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's fascinating. Cause like I said, I started out with a history of violence. I was like, Hey, that was a really great movie. It didn't really see any stamp per se, but the, yeah. And then with, like you said, you, you just keep going back into the rabbit hole and you're like, man, this guy had some effed up stuff. Uh, I'm digging it. So uh, <laughs> yeah. You just keep going back. You get to rabid shivers, and then when you get to crimes of the century, if you could, if you get through that, uh, crimes of the, yeah, it, his first one. That's on YouTube. You could watch. It's about an hour long, and who? That's what's missing out of this, though, is the body horror. Mm. I, I, you don't have body horror in this. Oh, I mean, the, the closest thing that you have is uh, when the serial killer jammed that the scissors in his face. Other than that, true. that's okay, about yeah. it. You're right. But they that, didn't. But they didn't show it. And Cronenberg right. is very good for showing things. And I think that was more the Stephen King influence, right? Mm-hmm. Which again, this dude, mad props to the serial killer. There's many ways you could kill yourself. <laughs> I mean, that's a hell of a way to go. I would be scared as shit to do it. I'd be like, no, I'll just go to jail. I, there's many ways you kill yourself. I never would have thought opening a scissors and bashing my head against a sink and to shove the scissors into my brain. You know, this especially because there's no guarantee that that's actually going to work. <laughs> right. You're just going to cut yourself up and just be mangled and go to jail like with a bunch of cuts on your face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to do it just right. Otherwise, uh... <laughs> otherwise, yeah, you're just going to be. Uh all mangled yeah i i was just it surprised me how this guy offed himself i'm like okay no he doesn't just stab himself or take you know a, a poison pill or something no dude shoves uh good old scissors right up the nose i'm like damn yeah that, that's that's as close as you got to body horror like like i said like it was Honestly, if you just uh, if you cut one second before the nips were showing at uh, at the gazebo, and then mm-hmm. if you made the the scissor thing less bloody, this would be a PG thirteen movie. Like it, it is a mm-hmm. very 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 tame R, considering the person behind the camera, and you have the one of the producers of Halloween as well. So it's like this film could have been like bonkers bananas, but they were actually like pretty tame with it. But it's like you said, Don. It's like Stephen King, like. He's not like known for like, oh man, I gotta have like that Evil Dead type of gore in his movies. It's like, no, that's not that's not what you go to a Stephen King movie for. You might have it in the movie, but it's not like it's not uh, the Stephen King stamp. Mm-hmm. It, the exception to the lack. Well, no, after he got as 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 the years went on, Stephen King did uh, his film and TV did get a whole lot more gory. 
But for right. this time period, the only exception was The Shining, and that was because who's going to tell Stanley Kubrick now? Well, and also <laughs> Stephen King hates it, so it's just like you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I totally, I totally get that. Like you know, his newer stuff now. But yeah, back in the day, it's like you know, you didn't go to a Stephen King movie expecting you know Hostel Part Three. It's like no, you, you're going to see some cool like science fiction more fantasy type of story with maybe some horror elements, but it's not going to be like ridiculous. I'm actually surprised they got David Cronenberg to do this. Um, considering that Videodrome was straight up body horror. And it's like, yeah. you know, they, they both came out coming out the same year. It's like, I don't understand how you could look at that man's work previously to what he <laughs> did and was like, yeah, this is our guy. Like, I, I just, I don't get it personally. Maybe he knew Deborah Hill. I, I have no clue, but, uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, he he is kind of a surprise for a direction of this because you could see this directed by a number of different people. Um, with it, the way the script plays out, you know, uh, it, it's as you mentioned, you get both mentioned. There's there's very little, you know, outside of the mommy daddy stuff. Um, there's not a huge amount of signature Cronenberg stuff in here. I don't think. Um, that, that like what we've seen in the past. So it, it is definitely lacking. Uh, just another prophetic thing I, I got a kick out of uh, that I want to bring up because not only does Walken mention Sleepy Hollow, but go on to play the Headless Horseman in Sleepy Hollow. Martin Sheen's character talks about being the president and he goes on later to be the president in the West Wing. Just saying. Yes, he does. Just <laughs> I'm telling you, this is the audition tape. They saw it. They're just like, man, that that guy can really push a nuclear. He's, and so that, that's how he, that's how he was cast. Sorkin was just like, yeah, that's my guy. <laughs> I just I just say that you know it, there is a, a interesting coincidences in this. Uh, so uh, here's a little tidbit of uh, trivia that I think you both would appreciate. <laughs> Excuse me, Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray was Stephen King's choice for the part of Johnny. I could see it. I can see King wanting that. Yeah, that that's not too far off. I mean, it mm -hmm. just sounds funny because you imagine like his dry humor throughout. Like he he shows no emotion. He's like, I was in a coma for five years. I have psychic abilities. What's up? And it's just like, I, 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 no, thank you. But I can see where he was coming from. I, I can kind of it's just 83 Bill Murray. True. I don't see it. I mean, we're we're not talking lost in translation Bill Murray here. We're talking 83 Bill Murray. You know, we're still talking SNL. We're talking but, SNL, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, so I <clears throat> I fully get what you're saying, Chase. And and yeah, now, you know, it's kind of like Robin Williams, though, too. You never picture him, you know, until you get what to awakenings or whatnot. You um, or was an awakenings? Um, yeah, he was in awakenings, wasn't it? Or, uh, where is this one of his first dramas? Uh, for Robin Williams, you wouldn't have pictured him doing a drama, and then until you see him doing a drama, and they're like, Oh, yeah, so Bill Murray, now knowing what we know now of him, he probably could have pulled this off. Can, can you can you imagine if like he was cast and this was like his uh, his lost in translation before lost in translation. Like, can you imagine if like that movie came out? Uh, they're just like, man, he was so good and lost in translation. It's like, man, do you remember him in the dead zone? He was the best. And it's like, man, what a lost gym. Like that, yeah. that would have been fascinating if like that was his first ever big dramatic role. And then it was just buried and no one ever talked about it. <laughs> yeah, it would. It died. You said you could see him. Would you think he would fit? the uh johnny smith character uh, i'm know, sure he would have um yeah. although like you said this was very much his snl heyday mm -hmm. so i think we would have found bill murray being bill murray i'm sure there would have been more humor yeah um and maybe it would have gone more instead of being so serious dark maybe it would have been more wicked wicked playful mm -hmm. oh i get what you're saying yeah you know more mm -hmm. dark humor 
wicked mm. playful as opposed to, you know, like Brad Dorf. Yes, <laughs> like Brad Dorf from our discussion <laughs> earlier. Yes. Yes. Uh, Can you I imagine mean, if he was in the the hospital bed and he touched the nurse's hand and he was just like, <laughs> "Your daughter's burning in the house right now," and you're like, "Oh my god, what is this?" So now I'm like laughing because now I'm replaying all the scenes, just like making it really just ridiculous and over the top. <laughs> With Bill Murray with that. Actually, I'm, I'm closer to envisioning that scene where he is uh, from Ghostbusters, where he is testing the psychic abilities of his students. <laughs> <laughs> hey, pretty lady. <laughs> Johnny, we have a we have a crime to go solve. <laughs> it's like stop hitting on people. All right, guys, I gotta go check out this murder so everyone hang tight and i'll be back <laughs> oh my god what what an amazing film a piece of film that would have been <laughs> completely different <laughs> number one comedy of the year uh <laughs> also it's interesting uh, it, one of the um rejected endings had johnny smith surviving being gunned down and predicting a knife attack against his girl while in a hospital and then he slips back into a coma and dies oh my god <laughs> that, yeah, that been... didn't happen in the book <laughs> <laughs> yeah slight omission was not in the book thank you <laughs> i'm glad i was just gonna ask you don you, you you beat me to it i was just gonna ask if uh <laughs> i mean if it was i've repressed right because <laughs> wow that that would have totally taken a different turn to talk about ending on a, I mean, it ends on kind of an up note because Stilson kills himself. So you're just like, yay, even though our hero dies, yay, he did something good. And in that one, it would be like, yay, no, oh no, his girlfriend's going to die from a knife fight. And he dies with the last vision of her dying. Wow. That's a downer. <laughs> Uh, anyone go see, want to go see Conan? No, just kidding. <laughs> you were going to say something, Don. I'm sorry. No, no. no. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, uh, Don, I guess final question. Chase already kind of alluded to it, uh, mentioned it. Uh, would you agree? Uh, probably Cronenberg's most commercial work to this oh, point. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. Uh, that is without a doubt his most commercial movie. <laughs> hey, listen, do you want to watch Videodrome or The Dead Zone for Family Night? Oh, gee, I don't, I don't know. Like, let me think about it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Billy doesn't have to go to school tomorrow, so maybe we can watch Videodrome. <laughs> yeah. Let, let's just scar him for. Hey, listen, you want to watch Jeff Goldblum uh, peel his skin off in the fly? Yeah, that sounds really great. <laughs> Uh, 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 I'm a housefly now. <laughs> Which we will be covering next month for our uh, Welcome to Cronenberg episode. And for this one, we are going to wrap it up for tonight. And uh, yeah, so I appreciate our panel uh, getting together to talk some David Cronenberg. And as we always do with these episodes, uh, we're going to end the night with a uh, one thing as we leave as we hop into our car and drive away from Cronenberg, what is one thing that you're going to take with you with the dead zone? Don, we'll start with you first. What's one thing as you leave Cronenberg, what's one thing with the dead zone you're going to take with you? Don't forget your Kevlar vest. Oh, nice. And uh, Chase, as you leave Cronenberg, uh, what are you going to take with you? Uh, I'm going to go on that coma diet tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think your fiance is going to wait around for five years for you? Hey, hey, listen, Mark, it's not like this is going to air on the internet or anything. She's never going to hear it. So uh, here, here's the deal. Like <laughs> if I go in a coma for like five plus years, just know that I'm going to wake up looking sexy as hell. So that coma diet is going to be uh, what, <laughs> what I'm going for. Oh my God. Just, just learn how to use a cane better than Christopher Walken. Yeah. Oh. 
Done. I, I'm not going to walk up and down my driveway looking like a buffoon with two crutches. That man, <laughs> I, I don't know who directed him to, to wobble like that, but that's not how you walk with two crutches. So, oh, uh, oh believe me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's like, Christopher Walken, please do your research. Yeah. Even even the cane, I'm like, dude, why are you? We know you don't even need it. You, you're, you're not even selling that you need the cane. He's literally walking around with it in the movie as if every time when he touches the cane to the ground, it has an electric shock, so it jiggles his body. I'm like, <laughs> no, that's not how it works, dude. Ah, uh, yes. And, and uh, well, I, I, I learned that, you know, the best, if you're going to get assassinated, the best thing to uh, block the assassin's bullet is a young child. So oh <laughs> got to pick up that child just real quick. Just pick I, it up. Just make sure I you mean, got a. One he had minute. no second. He had no second to think about. It. He literally picked up the child and was like, "Just shoot it." And I'm like, he, "Oh my god!" He didn't hesitate at all. He just ripped it right from her arms. He's like, "Oh shit! Someone's shooting at me!" Human shield. <laughs> he. It's not like he even grabbed her because she would have been a bigger shield. Who, while she's holding the kid, no, he just grabs the kid, waves the kid around. Well, I mean, legs Mark, are dangling. Mark, he was a politician. Obviously, he was the smartest man in that room. He and, wasn't. He wasn't dumb at all. So no, he. he yeah, right, right, right. You're supposed to kiss the babies, not you know, pick them up for human shields. <laughs> <laughs> this episode got dark really, really fast. Yeah, but real thank you, real quick. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll wrap it up for the night. And now uh, this is where I give uh, my fantastic guest. Uh, my crew members here, a license to shill. So, uh, Don, go ahead, license to shill. Where can they find some of your written stuff that you still have out there? On occasion, you can find things in the audience.net. Fantastic. And Mr. Chase Lee, I know you got something to shill. Uh, absolutely. Uh, if you guys want to follow me on my podcast, it's Real Me and Cole in the Movie Podcast. It's on all uh, podcast platforms. And if you want to su subscribe to my YouTube channel before it gets shut down, because I have two copyright strikes uh, for no apparent reason, uh, it, it's a uh, real Chase Lee. So go ahead and do that before I get obliterated. So there you go. Ooh, two, two major ones, uh, two major ones for uh, something I didn't do uh, because <laughs> they flagged my podcast for uh, copyright infringement when they have no video or audio clips in them whatsoever. And yeah, so wow. it, it's, it's been fun, been fun. Well, and then, of course, it being Google, you can just readily reach someone immediately to appeal, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and it's not just some robot. No. So, uh, so if my, my channel gets uh, deleted next week, Mark, it was nice knowing you. Oh, well, you could still be on the show here. Oh, okay, thank uh, you, thank you. Because I don't post a shit on YouTube usually. Well, sometimes I post an episode on YouTube, but usually it just lives on my website, which nobody knows about. So... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're safe there. No, I had the, the last copyright strike I had on my channel, a major one, was because uh, the independent filmmaker did not care for my review and they were looking at getting distribution. And so they did the copyright strike against me just before they were in talks with Sony Home Entertainment, uh, just so that that review wasn't out there, uh, which I found out through channels later. <laughs> It's not, not someone I know personally, but yeah, uh, so that happened, <laughs> and I didn't bother to appeal it. I'm like, ah, eh, it was just one strike, but I found out a year later that, yeah, no, they did it because they didn't like my review, and they were looking for distribution, so yeah, they did a major strike, so the review didn't show up. Yeah, uh, I love being the little guy. <laughs> now, granted, and okay, yeah, I'm going to totally fucking say it. If I was a Stuckman or a Jans, you know, <laughs> be a completely different story. But, you know, I, I make no money for YouTube, so uh, they don't care. The other one I love, I love the other copyright strike. I, I'm just dragging this out now. I'm sorry, folks. But the other copyright strike I love is the one that is a minor one, but it doesn't show in 250 countries. <laughs> yeah, what, what did you show in there? <laughs> Nothing. It was my review of the commuter. I showed a clip. I didn't show any video clip. It was a poster and one still from the movie. And they blocked it from every country in the world. But it's not a copyright strike, like a major one. It just nobody could see. 
it's so stupid. I, I I hate it. And it happened this morning too, my second one. And I'm just like, I, I can't win. Oh, I, I cannot no. win. Anyway, though, we will uh, let everyone go. Uh, thank you so much once again. Hope you enjoyed this Cronenberg episode. And now, just say goodnight, everyone. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Oh, yeah. Hey, all my friends out there looking for more spoiler room goodness? Then why don't you check out our brand new Patreon page, patreon.com slash specialmarkproductions, where you can get access to exclusive spoiler room episodes and a whole lot more. You can also find us on Facebook groups at SMPRD and on to Twitter at SpecialMarkPro. Let your voice be heard and let us know what you would like to see in the spoiler room as well as just how we're doing in general. We appreciate your support and remember in the spoiler room the conversation is fresh but we do spoil the movies. <laughs>